Every year, without fail, the event came up. During my years of seminary, there was this usual procedure with which we would start the year. We would go, we would arrive back from summer break, we'd get everything set up, and then we would eventually, in a couple of weeks, start our classes. And it was usually about that second or third Thursday that we were taking classes that we would all come together in the evening and we would go to the chapel and we would have Mass. But this was no ordinary Mass. This was a Mass of the Holy Spirit. There were certain prayers, there were readings, the priests were all vested in red, and it was very obvious that this was all dedicated to the Holy Spirit. But early on, the question was always there, why are we celebrating this at the outset? It never seemed like it was very clearly explained. And as time went on, it started to reveal itself why we did that. Because it wasn't just about celebrating the Holy Spirit, but it was about celebrating the action of the Holy Spirit. The action that it was able to do not only in us generically, but in each and every one of us in our studies. That the administration was very well aware that we were going to need that gift of the Spirit. We were going to need knowledge and wisdom, and we were going to need that gift of understanding as we went through our courses, as we went through our exams, and even the projects and things that came our way. And in a very powerful way, we celebrate this gift of the Holy Spirit today as we celebrate Pentecost. We know that that event happened so long ago that it was the birthday of the church, and it was that first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But why does it matter right here and right now? What is it supposed to do for us at this time? We start off to answer that question with the Acts of the Apostles. We are in the cycle where we've been using the Acts of the Apostles ever since the beginning of Easter. And since Easter ends today, we're actually concluding our use of the Acts of the Apostles, at least for a little while. But nonetheless, there's this powerful image that we're given that the Apostles are at this time gathered together as the Lord had commissioned them to do. That he's ascended into heaven, he sent them to wait. So they're all gathered in one place. And as they're gathered in that place, something tremendous happens. They all of a sudden hear this strong driving wind that's in their presence that's rather unusual for their location and where they are inside. And then something else happens. The tongues of fire begin to split and to divide and to set over each and every one of their heads. Truly, this is astounding. It's a sight that's unlike any other. And yet that's not all, because it actually reflects an inner disposition, an inner reality that the Holy Spirit is setting into their hearts because all of a sudden they go out. And they don't just go out, they go out to preach. And they don't go out just to preach, but they preach in many different languages, in many different tongues, in many different abilities and many different levels of speech that they had never had before. That it was so astounding that it startled even those that were passing by. Because they saw these men, they knew that they only spoke just a few languages, they never spoke their own. But at this moment, the Holy Spirit fills them with that gift and gives them that ability to go forward and to speak so that everyone can hear the gospel. That gospel is universal, and at this point, they can finally understand. We move on for a moment, and we hear from St. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians. And he speaks at the very beginning that no one speaks of Jesus Christ as the Lord except by the Holy Spirit that no one is able to call the Lord God except by the gift of that Spirit, the paraclete and the advocate. 
And this might seem rather odd, but as we think about it, it becomes more and more true because each and every one of us sitting here today, we have at some point been touched by the Holy Spirit. We've been invited into this relationship with God the Father, whether it was through Scripture, whether it was through the Spirit speaking to us or speaking through the lips of another. Then, in fact, this gift of the Spirit is very much real and it's there, but it gives us that ability to call God our Father and call Jesus Christ Lord. But the Spirit, as much as it comes to individuals, is still one. And St. Paul wants to reflect that fact. Because he goes through and he says, As there are many gifts of the Spirit, there's only one Spirit. As there are many wonders, many works, many different things being done, there's still the one third person of the Trinity. Still the one advocate. And so he goes through this reality and he shows the unity of the Spirit even as it touches individual lives. But at the end, he goes back to an image that he really loves to use quite frequently, that it is that image of the body of Christ. And it's a powerful image, because he's showing that as there are many members, as there are many different parts of that body, they're still unified in the Spirit. And in fact, they continue to reflect that reality no matter what. And so he's saying that this Spirit, as it goes forth to all the world and continues to sanctify and renew the world, Indeed, it unites all because it is the Holy Spirit, that it is that one Spirit that God has sent. Then finally, we arrive at the Gospel, and we hear from this Gospel of John the, more of the perspective on what happened with Pentecost. Because Pentecost, as we recognize, is addressed in the first reading, but John wants to set out even more detail. He tells that the, that the disciples were gathered, not just because the Lord said to be gathered, but because they were living in fear. They knew that the Jews were out there, especially those leaders that had put Jesus to death, and they could only figure that it would be a matter of time before they start to hunt them down as well. So they were terrified. They're hiding in a locked room because they don't know where to turn next. And yet as that's happening, what in, who appears in their midst? Well, Jesus Christ himself. That he appears and he says the first thing that comes to mind, the first thing that they need to hear, peace be with you. He could have said all sorts of things that he could have condemned them. He could have reprimanded them for not having faith or being troubled and doubting in their hearts, but he doesn't. Instead, he says that simple phrase, peace be with you. Once more, he shows them his hands and his side because he knows this is unmistakable proof that we are, that they will understand that I am the Lord their God, that I am the one who died and that I'm the one that rose again. And they, they're overjoyed. And he says it again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he breathes on them that symbol that they are going to receive something of a gift. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says to them, Receive the gift of the Spirit, whose sins you are, forgive, are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. That truly, this, as we dovetail it in together with the first reading, we realize just how dramatic the gift of the Holy Spirit makes a change within their hearts. That it sets something amazing at work within their souls, so that they're not afraid any longer. They're filled with courage. They're not filled with anxiety. They're filled with fortitude. That they're not simply remaining in one place anymore, but they're going out to the entire world because they see the ways that the Lord is calling them forward and calling them to mission. But as we behold all of these things, what is this encouraging us to do? Why are we celebrating this Feast of Pentecost on a yearly basis? What does it mean that we're talking about the Holy Spirit today? 
Well, the first is to recollect and to remind ourselves of what Jesus says about the Spirit. That Jesus says whenever he was ascending up into heaven, that he was going to send the advocate, the paraclete, the one who is coming into the world. And indeed, because of that Spirit, Jesus is not devoid from us, but in fact is very present to us. He's present to us in the Scriptures. He's present to us in the sacraments. And he is present in the Spirit as well, those different ways that we're touched by that Holy Spirit. And so the Lord reminds us that the Feast of Pentecost gives us that ability to recollect and to see that the Holy Spirit is always dwelling in our hearts and our souls, that it's always coming to us, that it makes Jesus Christ present, especially in the moments when we feel that we need him most. But then we also recognize that the Spirit isn't just for us to receive and to hold on to, but it's something that sends us out on mission. That, in fact, as we receive that gift of the Spirit, it's going to give us the ability to go and to speak about our faith to others. That it's going to fill us with that wisdom and that knowledge and that courage to go forward and to speak to our relatives, to our friends, to our family members, to our co-workers, to those we go to school with. It's going to give us that ability to speak about our Lord Jesus Christ. He's being made present to us. We're called to make him present to others as well. And the Holy Spirit gives us the drive and the insight and the ability to do just that. But as we speak about that mission, there's something that's more fundamental that we need. There's something more foundational. There's something that we need to do and we need to receive ourselves before we dare set forth to go on mission. That is that we need to receive the gifts of the Spirit that we need to have those gifts continually given to us so that we can go forward and speak about them to others. Because notice the way that Jesus gives us those gifts. That it's not just in this abstract way either. That so many of us have likely learned about the different gifts as we went through confirmation class, or as we've learned about our faith. We've heard, learned about them in a generic way. But notice the way they're applied. Because if we go back to the Gospel of John, recognize the Spirit comes into their need and their desire. It comes into the void in their heart and fills it to overabundance. They are sitting in that room cowering with fear because they feel that the Lord is no longer with them. He's abandoned them and set them to the side. And so they don't know what to do. They're sitting in a locked room because they just have no idea where they're going, what they're doing, what their life is going to look like next. Jesus comes into their midst and what does he say? Peace be with you. He doesn't say this generically. He doesn't say this because bishops are going to say it thousands of years later. But he says it because it's what the disciples need most. That they need that gift of the Spirit very powerfully because their faith is faltering. They don't know what to do. They're filled with anxiety, with fear, and they, don't, they aren't yet equipped for mission without that gift of the Spirit. And indeed, when our Lord comes into their midst, he recognizes that need. He recognizes that desire and their want that is on their hearts. What does he say? Not how could you, not how dare you, but peace be with you. He wants to give them that spirit that gives them that gift of peace, that ability to go forward and to speak to every land and every nation, that fills their hearts with courage, with faith, and with all of the gifts that they need. And so he gives them that gift of the spirit, not in a generic way, but in a powerful and a particular way. My brothers and sisters, why isn't it the same with us? Because, in fact, we are a Pentecost people. We are called to receive the gift of the Spirit. We are called to receive the gifts of the Spirit and to reflect them in an individual way, in a way that only you can reflect them or only I can reflect them. 
that in fact, as we receive the Spirit, it sends us forth to engage in the world, but in the way that God has designed. But he sends his Spirit into our hearts because we need him most. And it's not just at baptism, it's not just when we're confirmed, but he sends that Spirit to us each and every day. But the question I would leave with all of us to reflect today with is, where do you need that gift of the Spirit right now? Where do you need the Holy Spirit to enter your heart and your soul the most? Because likely we have some area of need. Maybe our faith is faltering right now. Maybe we just don't feel the Lord and, and His presence in our midst. And what do we do with that? We turn to the Lord our God and say, Come Holy Spirit, give me that gift of faith. Maybe we're filled with fear and anxiety on a daily basis, that we just don't know where to turn, we don't know what's going on, and we just feel like our life is filled with chaos. And what do we say? Come, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with peace. Maybe we don't understand some church teaching. Maybe we feel like we don't understand the rules, or we don't understand why they're all laid before us. In those moments we pray, come, Holy Spirit, give me the gift of understanding. Because, in fact, my brothers and sisters, as much as the Holy Spirit is given to us, it's given to us in a very particular and individual way. It wants to intimately come into our hearts and our souls to give us that grace, that strength, and whatever our lives require so that we can live the life of a disciple. And we can not only survive it, but we can live it well. And our Lord recognizes that we're in different parts of our journey, that we're in different points, and we might need different gifts of the Spirit at those moments. But he still sends the Spirit anyway, and he wants to send that Spirit not just in a generic way, but in that way that we need to receive it most. And that's the power of being able to ask for that gift of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. That we're not left to our own devices, we're not left to fend for ourselves, but God always spends a, sends his advocate, his paraclete, not just to be with the disciples so long ago, but to be with us each and every day. Because that's why we celebrated that Mass of the Holy Spirit so early on in the year at seminary. It was to recognize that we needed to receive those gifts of the Spirit time and time again, that we needed to be filled with that knowledge, that wisdom, that understanding, so that we could do well and we could learn and we could be formed. And it's much the same with us. Because we're given this moment to celebrate the Holy Spirit, yes, but to receive Him in a more full and a more integral way. And so, my brothers and sisters, we're celebrating that Feast of Pentecost. We hear the Lord speaking those words, Peace be with you. Where do you need the gift of the Spirit to come to you here today?